I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech but that I call Mobile Serp's team correspondent is not across the table for me this week. Like everyone across Canada, we're currently social distancing, we're in quarantine. So as such, we're not in the office. The Mobile Serp team's working completely remotely, but it's still business as usual for us. Um, so you might notice a bit of a change in sound quality. So just ignore that. Pretend it's just the usual podcast. Pretend that everything is normal. So how are you doing, Brad? I'm doing good. Uh, pretending I'm in the office, you know, just like waiting for somebody to come and be like, hey, I have this room booked. Um, but until that happens, I guess we'll just keep going. You should uh, just get your girlfriend to knock on the door every 10 <laughs> minutes to, to see if the room's open yet, just so yeah. that we feel like we're in the office. Do you guys have this booked? I think I have this booked. Can you look <laughs> at the chart with me? In the middle of the podcast so yeah. that it's on the audio and then I have to edit it out after this. That's my favorite favorite part of when I edit the podcast every week. Mm-hmm. So this week we're going to talk about the new iPad Pro and the new MacBook Air. Um, despite the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, Apple is still dropping products and so are several other companies. Yeah. Um, People think which, more Apple products are coming too, which is crazy. Yeah. We're supposed to be getting um, an iPhone 9 or an iPhone SE 2, whatever you want to call it. Who knows if that's true? Um, yeah. I mean, given Apple dropped the iPad Pro and the MacBook Air, I could see it definitely happening. Mm-hmm. And then I think after we talk about that, we're going to move into chatting about Animal Crossing New Horizons, which is, I know, a game that we've both spent a significant amount of time playing over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And it's become this like weird internet phenomenon that I never thought would happen, or I never thought would have happened. So I'm really excited about this game and like, I'm excited to talk about it because uh, social distancing has let me or not allowed me to talk about it as much as I've wanted to. I'm ready to explode. I live inside Animal Crossing right now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Brad, hit the hottest news of the week. So, uh, the hottest news of the week this week, there's not a whole lot to talk about. I'll just ra- uh, rhyme off some headlines for people. But uh, basically... Earlier this week, Roku rolled out new software for its players in Canada, although that update isn't coming to TVs until much later. Um, and the big, the big draw of this update is that it will allow easy integration of Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa, which has been a long time coming. So um, it's only compatible with the Roku sticks right now? Sticks, players, um, most of the, like the players, I think that, Think of it like Android updates. That's how I imagine it. You know, okay. Roku on the sticks that it owns, it has the ability to update them right away. Um, when it has the TVs, they're through other hardware manufacturers like TCL or nice. whatever. And then I think it takes longer to get those updates through those manufacturers. They cool. likely will come, um, but it's not as, as instant. 
Um, beyond that, OnePlus says it's going to have an event next week on April 14th. April 14th is next week, yes. Um, which is good. No, I think it's the the week after. Is it the week after? Let me let me, let me open my handy dandy calendar just yeah. so we have the most accurate information. It's only the second today. Yeah. Uh, the four. <laughs> The 14th is not next week. It's the week after. So uh, not next Tuesday, but next, next Tuesday. All right. Well, on April 14th, OnePlus will be holding an event where we're expecting the OnePlus 8 and OnePlus 8 Pro plus who knows what else. But it will be some sort of digital event where nobody will be there in person. We'll, uh, we'll see it all on the 14th. Um, so OnePlus is taking the Apple strategy and its business is normal for the company for the most part? Yeah. Yeah. It... it um, yeah, it's, it's super business as normal because even this year they're kind of stepping outside of their comfort zone and releasing their phones at slightly different times and earlier and maybe more phones to compete more heavily with Samsung. Who really knows what OnePlus is doing, but I don't think they're really letting coronavirus slow them down at all, which is yeah, good to see. Cool. Uh, and then on this side, we just got tons and tons of COVID-19 news related to Canadian companies, tech companies, uh the government policy, internet speeds, calling issues, anything that's sort of like loosely related to tech and the coronavirus and quarantine. We try to like pull some of those things in just to like be a helpful resource more. You know, we, we don't want to like overflow people because, you know, everyone's like, I would imagine getting sick of COVID-19 news, but we're just trying to be as helpful as we can. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I got a lot of messages and tweets from some readers regarding the fact that they like that tech sites are kind of continuing as normal right now because it's a nice distraction from everything that's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think we've done some pretty good coverage over the last couple of weeks um, regarding COVID-19 and kind of where tech with a Canadian from a Canadian perspective intercepts with our usual coverage. So yeah. we can find all that stuff on uh, up on Mobile Surf right now. Yeah, and I uh, I definitely think reading reading the tech news for a distraction is is necessary right now because it's crazy. Um, and then yeah, we've got a couple of Huawei features up on the website. Um, and just went up this morning is information on LG's OLED and LED TVs for 2020. And you know they're exciting, high end, best of the best TVs. Very expensive. I was looking up the, they didn't have the pricing for me yesterday when I wrote it, but uh, I looked up this morning and that one TV, the like high-end one at the top of the list pad, I think you read that the, story. The 8K yesterday. one? Yeah, yeah, I edited it. I edited it, yeah, the 8K one. Is that the one you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's like, actually, do you think you could guess how much it costs in Canada? Mm, a lot. <laughs> well, I, I think it's more than you'd imagine. So my guess would be five grand way more really i think it was like thirty-nine thousand. where are they gonna sell that does best buy sell thirty-nine thousand dollar tvs i don't know does you get ordered <laughs> directly from lg i guess so and like i think it comes <laughs> with like this like included like base stand thing like it's super crazy um yeah but yeah that's it either way they're still exciting and there are tvs that are going OLED TVs that are much cheaper and like I was on Best Buy.ca when I was just looking at the pricing this morning and there was like an OLED TV from last year from LG that's really really good and I think it was like down to like 1800 bucks which is like super good for OLED so you know in terms of TVs OLEDs are finally getting cheaper and that's exciting news for everybody and that's it for nice. hottest news. So let's move into talking about the iPad Pro. I did the review for Mobile Syrup. It's up on the site right now. I think the sort of 
crux of my argument with the 2020 iPad Pro is that it's not that different from the 2018 version of the tablet. Yeah. It's still really good. Its processor is only slightly more powerful than its predecessors. I don't usually place a ton of stock in, in benchmarks, but I did do quite a bit of benchmarking with this particular device because I knew that was going to be a point of contention. So to put it in perspective, the 11-inch iPad Pro um, that came out in 2018, which is not that long ago, has an A12 Bionic chip, and the new 12.9 has an A12Z Bionic chip, so it doesn't have the A13 that the iPhone 11 has. Um, And it's like, I think, only a few percent more powerful. And, I mean, some people commented on the review and were like, you're saying it's powerful, but it's not that much more powerful than its predecessor. I think for me, the point with that was just that, like we usually expect these somewhat big leaps in power every time Apple releases a new device. Yeah. And this is one of the smallest that I've seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just hard to like- No, go ahead. No, yeah, I'm just with you. Like it's hard to recommend like, oh, you gotta buy the new iPad. It blows the old iPad out of the water. But if it, if it doesn't, blow the old iPad out of the water? Why is it here? And that's the question that doesn't make a lot of sense with this new iPad to me, at least. Like maybe if you're rocking the 2016, um, yeah, I could is. see it being worth an update or the 2017. Probably the 2016, it's a worthwhile update 100% because a lot has changed with the iPad since then. Um, and then just to go through some of the other different stuff, there's a LiDAR sensor now, which is incredibly cool. And I think it's the right move for Apple to make in terms of its push with augmented reality, but there's no apps that support it in a way that I found extremely compelling. Like in general, apps are more responsive, which is neat, I guess. Um, And there's more object occlusion, but there's not like that marquee big name app to convince people to frankly give a shit about augmented reality. Like if you talk about augmented reality to the average person, they don't care about it, right? There's no app that like convinces them that this is something they should care about. Apple was touting that the Measure app is more accurate. That's cool. I actually tried it. It was way more accurate. It's far more glitchy. Um, it's more glitchy? Far, sorry, it's far less glitchy. Oh, okay, okay. When I was um, when I was moving recently, uh, I used the Measure app quite a bit to like see what furniture would fit in different places, and it was pretty horrible. So now it works, um, but like, that's not exciting. That's not particularly interesting. It's just an app that measures things. You know what uh, I mean? And do you think it actually works now? Because like, yeah, I've, I've used it in the past as well. And I've never had an experience where I'm like, I think this is accurate. I've always been like, you know what? I think I need to go get a measuring tape because this is not working. I think it's pretty accurate. Um, the big change for me was that it now works under less than ideal lighting conditions. So okay. if my light happened to be off, then it, it worked like... It still worked. Like, it worked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, that is honestly the only things different about the actual physical iPad hardware. The camera is better. It has the iPhone 11 sensor in it for the most part mm-hmm. with, like, a few things missing. Like, you can't take night photos. Um, so it's great that the iPhone camera is better than it used to be, but I mean, I don't know how many people are actually shooting photos with an iPad pro. Like to me, that's not what this device is for. Um, it's great that it's, it's better. Like, I mean, I'm in the process of reviewing the MacBook air and one of my biggest issues with it is that they haven't upgraded the camera. It's still 720p FaceTime HD camera, the same one that they've had in there since 2018. Um, so like, I like that they updated it, but 
in 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 a certain sense like if if you're not doing a ton of facetime calls or skype calls like who 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 really cares yeah yeah or like you need like a developer who's like using these like camera tools or something it's weird i just don't really understand the lidar yeah but the biggest like the stuff to actually care about it was it was kind of hard to review because the most interesting thing about the new ipad pro is the mouse support the the cursor trackpad mouse support which also is included in pretty much every single iPad that's been released in the last little bit. Like it's an iOS update. Um, I believe it's iOS 13.4 yeah, that added is. that functionality. And like, cool. That's awesome that every single iPad supports it, but it doesn't make this new Pro unique in any way. And then again, building on that, there's the new Magic Keyboard, which looks... It looks like what the iPad needs to me, right? Like in a way it turns the iPad Pro into a surface. It removes that sort of uh, the pain point that I've always had with the iPad where I feel like it needs a trackpad for certain apps. I know you probably have a different perspective on that. No, I'm, um, I'm interested in this and I'm interested to see how well it works when it's like sitting on your lap. Um, yeah, because I don't know if you saw the pictures, like it floats. Yeah, like it's it floats super off weird. the ground, which is, which is kind of strange. Yeah. Um, but... It's not out yet, right? It doesn't come out till May, and it also costs an additional four hundred dollars. Um, yeah, I think, it's expensive. Let, let me find the exact pricing, but no, it's a it's, lot. It's it's super expensive. It yeah, is. So it's three ninety nine for the the small one, I believe. Oh, that's and that's crazy. Um, that's like that keyboard attachment costs more than like the worst Chromebook. Yeah. So it's it's like an Apple tax to the max. Maybe it'll be really good, but even if it is great, it's kind of hard to justify that that cost, if that makes sense. It's likely not going to be great, you know? Like, we've seen really thin keyboards like this in the past, and I don't think I can think of a, a specific one that I, like, sat down with, and I was like, this is awesome. I'm always like, this is really... usable, but I wish it was better. I wish it was I like bigger. This... I like the Surface Type cover. Mm, yeah, um, okay. That's a pretty I've good always one. really liked it. I think it has a nice wide trackpad. I think it has great key travel. I think with the Surface, one of the biggest issues has always been being able to use it on your lap. Because um, that's how, if, if, I'm, if I don't have my laptop docked and hooked up to a monitor in my home office, or when we used to be able to go into the mobile SERP office in that mm -hmm. same setup, I'm using it on my lap, or I'm using it on a train on my lap. Yeah. Um, and the Surface has never been comfortable to use, I mean, in that sort of form factor. And I don't think that this very, very expensive Magic Keyboard is going to be any better. I think what I am hoping is that companies like Logitech end up releasing third-party keyboards that have a trackpad that are far cheaper and in some cases better than what Apple's doing. Because we've seen that with other um, iPad keyboards. Like the, the smart keyboard sucks. Like yeah. they released a new smart keyboard alongside this iPad Pro, and it's it's not good. Like, I, how do you feel about the smart keyboard? Have you I, I, like used I, it before? Yeah, I had the one on the ten point five inch iPad, and it's very meh, very usable. Like I was saying, usable, but like not my ideal typing experience. You know, like I'm, that's not what I want. It's it's a tool, but it's not a great tool. It's horrible. I hate it. <laughs> Um, like it, it's it's probably one of my least favorite keyboards 
literally ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's really bad. It feels like, it kind of feels like, I don't know if you ever used one of those ones. Uh, I remember them when I was little, but they were like rubbery and they like rolled up. You felt like a spy and you could like unroll them. Yes, yes, And it yes. kind of feels like typing on that. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Um, so to put the cost in perspective, for the 11 inch, it's 399 for the Magic Keyboard. And for the 12.9, it's 449. 449. And the, Imagine so, dropping that much on a keyboard. <laughs> you're essentially, that's putting you so close to two grand for this setup, if not more. Yeah, it's it's roughly in the same price range as the um, the iPad Air, the, the i5 iPad Air. Can we, we just can take a quick moment to talk about like why the iPad Air exists? Does anyone know? So, sorry, not the iPad Air, the MacBook Air is what I'm talking about. Oh, but yes, okay. also, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know who the iPad Air is for anymore because yeah. it's it's too expensive for someone who just wants like a media consumption device. Yeah. Um, and it has almost all of the functionality of the iPad Pro. Yeah. But I, like I without the actual like super awesome screen and like yeah. refresh rate and like hardware and Pencil 2 support and yeah, iPad Air is a weird one. Never, I don't think I'll I, ever understand it. I don't know who it's for. Mm-hmm. So the thing that I wanted to ask you is like, I think that the mouse and trackpad support was surprisingly good. I went into it with extremely low expectations. I assumed that Apple would not be able to find a way to adapt apps, like like an overarching way for the trackpad to adapt to apps that have a touch interface. Yeah. And like, it's not perfect, but it's a really, really good start. And I think like, for example, Adobe needs to update their apps to yeah. have an interface that works better with a mouse and trackpad. Um, and there's some other apps that had issues. But in general, like, I was shocked at how good it is. I know you're a big proponent of using the iPad without a trackpad. I believe that's something that you even used to do in school, right? Like, you use an iPad as your, your main computer. You've talked about it before. You've yep. written about it before. It's my favorite how thing do you, to talk about. How do you, I know it is. How do you <laughs> feel about this This mouse support do you think it's something that it needs or like do you just not care about it um so i'm kind of of two minds at the moment so at one point i'm like okay you know as like brad who loves that tablets are becoming more like computers and gaining more computer-like features to be able to do more computer-like tasks this is a big step up for the ipad it's like okay now you know it just i don't know it just makes more sense to use with the trackpad which generally allows people to use more precision, I think, right? Um, so that's good. Then again, I don't know. I don't think the question of it is how well it will work because I have faith in Apple and this like first step already makes so much sense. Like it's such a smart implementation compared to what we've seen before that I have a lot of faith in whoever's designing this at Apple. Um, I guess my bigger sort of qualm would be like, Will apps support this? And will this actually be usable in the future? You know? Yeah, like, I, I agree with that. What, what's the long-term goal? Is it sort of like having your iPad and then you take it somewhere like you do and I do where we have, when we have at, or at work, we have like external monitors and like this little dock keyboard setup, and we just like bring our iPad to work, we put it in and then we're just like in work mode and then back on the train, we're just watching a movie. We're movie mode and the trackpad just allows you to have a more efficient work mode, I guess. Like, yeah, I, 
I think that developers just need to catch up with it, right? Like they mm -hmm. need to find a way to adapt to this new Im input method. And what I thought was really weird is like, usually Adobe is ready to go at the date, uh, yeah. out the gate. Like I know that Apple and Adobe have beef, but Apple kind of knows that they need Adobe despite offering their own suite of software. Like some people are just never going to switch to Final Cut and stuff like that. Yeah. That's just the way the world works. Adobe hasn't changed their apps at all. Um, and they, there's really no app, at least at launch that has been updated to take advantage of mouse and trackpad support, which is as long as I've covered Apple, which is like close to 10 years now, pretty, pretty unprecedented. Like I've never seen that happen before. Like you mean by third party apps? No, there's no third party app. There's yeah. not even like, like there's not even an Apple app that I can think of that was changed to take advantage of I, mouse and trackpad support. I think like the iWork suite got updated yesterday. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. The iWork suite that no one uses um, was updated <laughs> to take advantage of it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I totally forgot about um, that. But yeah, so that's like three apps, which is useful. Like I guess, you know, like when I'm thinking about it, when I want trackpad support, it's what you said earlier, Adobe, you know, Photoshop. I want to be able to like tweak my photos with trackpad. And then also when I'm like word processing, like pages or or google docs and it, it works with those things like the trackpad adapts and it turns into a cursor and it's surprisingly accurate that was one of the things that made me so okay impressed with it but like part of my review was i talked about how i tried to edit photos on it with uh with the trackpad the magic trackpad too because obviously like when i reviewed it i don't have the magic keyboard yet it doesn't come out until may um and it worked surprisingly well and it was pretty accurate but I ran into issues where like you couldn't grab the little knob to move it up and down to change different settings in Lightroom. That wasn't a thing that Adobe had updated yet. Um, the cursor is contextual, but it, it obviously can't fundamentally change how the UI works, right? Like it can't change how the app typically operates. Mm -hmm. So that, that was definitely disappointing. Um, I mean, I, I don't have much more to say about the iPad Pro. It was it was hard to review. I'm definitely going to revisit it when the Magic Keyboard comes out and when third-party keyboards start dropping. I do think that this is a step that Apple really needed to make. Uh, media and like iPad users have been asking for this support for a really long time, so I'm glad I'm glad that it happened. I just don't think that the iPad Pro was that significant as of, of an update. It was very much like a, a minor refresh. It's almost like the two steps were presented in two different ways, you know? The big news actually was iOS 13.4 and mouse support, but instead Apple framed it that the big news was this new iPad Pro, which wasn't the case because this is like the smallest iPad Pro update we've ever had that no one really, you know, needs. And the big thing that people do need and applies to thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people around the world as iOS 13.4 and yeah it was just very weirdly presented but trackpad support very interesting so the other device that we have to talk about today is the MacBook Air 2020 again this is another somewhat minor refresh they're moving from uh, so they're moving to the 10th generation Intel core processor which is more power efficient that um, has improved speakers uh, but I, I guess my my thing was, and I think you're going to talk about this as well, is that it's it's basically the same as the last MacBook Air refresh. There's nothing other than the hardware, like what's under the hood. Yeah, um, it still it still looks the same, which 
I don't think it's that bad of a move because I don't feel like the look is that outdated. But I know we were talking about this before the podcast and you think that Apple needs like a full revamp of the MacBook Air. I just think they need a full revamp across the board. I think their like design language has been getting very stale and just across everything, you know, like, like if you think back, like Apple products have looked very similar for a very long time. Like the MacBook Air pretty much looked the same its entire lifespan up until 2018, I think is when it got refreshed as well. Or was yeah, it- 2018, I believe was the last MacBook, MacBook Air refresh. And then it got refreshed and now we're in this new MacBook Air, which isn't really that new, still looks very similar. Um, you know, MacBook Pro, MacBook, iPads, iPhones, Apple TV has never really changed its design, its design other than getting a little taller. Like. Yeah, it's a little tiny bit different, but yeah. But yeah, generally, like, Apple products have maintained a really similar soft metal design type of thing. And I'm just, like, getting tired of it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I don't think that that um, aluminum gray design is going anywhere. Like, I think that Apple thinks that's... Co- it, Apple believes that that is core to its design language. So that's yeah. not going to change. Um I mean, in terms of this Air, like I haven't, I haven't reviewed it yet. I've been using it as my main laptop since I got my hands on it. Yeah. Uh, there were some things that I was impressed with. Like, I use a 2017 entirely, nearly entirely tricked out uh, MacBook Pro that has a seventh gen Intel processor, and this tenth gen processor in the MacBook Air 2020 was pretty much just as powerful which i found impressive but again like that laptop just came out Mm -hmm. the macbook pro is from 2017 so in a sense like that's expected right like you should see that uh incremental leap year over year in different processor generations yeah um and the sound is vastly improved like it has really good speakers i wouldn't say that they're as good as the 16 inch macbook pro which has like i can't believe that that is a laptop when I was, when I had that laptop, when I had it very briefly and, and did like a 24 hours or something like that with it. Um, yeah. But other than that, like a lot of the same issues remain, like there's only two USB-C, uh, ports on the left side of the laptop. Are they both which, on the same side? Yeah. They're both on the same side. Oh, I like that on the pixel book go, they're both on opposite sides. And it's really annoying. I, I would rather have that because what oh. I what I've run into when I like put it on my stand on my in my home office is I have to run the cord like around behind the laptop to make it to the left side of it. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I I understand that's like a minor that's a Patrick issue. <laughs> like no. everyone's everyone's not gonna have that, but I I do think like there doesn't seem to be a reason why it doesn't have more USB C ports. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just put one on that other side. Like sure, put two there put one on the other side, leave the four for the MacBook Pro, um, like reserve that as, as a premium feature in your quote unquote pro level. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
level laptop, yeah. but make it a little more versatile. I just thought of another issue too. Something that happens to me is, I mean, I know our readers can't or listeners can't see this, but I have like a little tiny uh, micro SD card reader. Looks about the size That's of the same a, one of a exact USB same stick. One. You got it finally. Cool. I'm gonna hold my. I'm gonna hold mine up. Nice, but yeah, um, when I have both ports on my MacBook Pro beside each other, like imagine there was only two on the same side. With my charger plugged in, I can't fit this in beside it. I don't know if you can on the air, but there's like not enough no, space. No, I can't. And this isn't very big. This is very tiny. Um, which if you had two, that just like. It's kind of annoying, at least on the Pixelbook Go, I guess you never run into that problem because the ports are isolated on the other side of the device, but here you'd be like, I don't know. If you were like charging and you're at 1% and you needed to offload a file, you'd be screwed. But for most yeah. people, I guess that wouldn't be a huge issue. Just kind of annoying. And with, with the two ports on the Air, like I, I had the exact same problem um, in, my, in my office. Like I have uh, a USB to USB-A adapter that has, I think, four or five USB-A ports in it. Then I have um, my monitor is USB-C. So like you plug those two things in and I want to plug in this this nice, super fast USB-C SD card reader. I can't. I have to unplug one of those things. So then I lose my mouse because it's plugged in through USB-A, through the USB-C adapter. And yeah. it just became like this thing where I had to like play juggling with ports. And if they added just one, just one more, I would, I would be fine. I wouldn't have an issue with that. Yeah. This like port thing, I mean, this is something that I, and you know that I talk about as well, but it's like the story. And, and I think this is something worth saying too. It's kind of like when Apple removed the headphone jack. Like I remember, you know, I think, I think we act a little bit different when we're regular consumers as opposed to when we're in reviewer mode. But like when I bought my iPhone 7, I was a regular consumer. It was my first phone without a headphone jack. And when I bought it, I was like, uh -huh. like I, I felt smart in like a really dumb way because I was like excited because I was like, I get to get a pair of wireless headphones now because I need them, quote unquote, even though I didn't really, but like that, inf it forced me to buy a newer technology to keep up with the device that I just bought. And maybe the MacBook Air will be the same way where it'll force people to buy Bluetooth mice and different adapters and Apple dongles and or AirPods because I, I guess there's still a headphone jack, but you know, so maybe they're just trying to force it on people that way. and. Which is unfortunate, but I mean, we've seen it happen in the past, so this is just sort of a different implementation of the same sales tactic. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, like the, the issue that I had with juggling ports is very much like a Patrick problem because a lot of people live in a purely Apple world, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I was using, uh, what's it called, like the magic mouse or whatever, the Apple mouse that's absolutely horrible, that's extremely ergonomic and like is incredibly hard to use. Um, I wouldn't have this problem, right? Because I could connect directly to the laptop. I wouldn't need this additional Logitech Bluetooth dongle. Mm -hmm. um, I know you can connect the Logitech keyboard and mouse that I have directly over Bluetooth, but I always find that because there's like that disconnect with it not necessarily being designed for Mac, it's, a, I think, purely a Windows keyboard and mouse. It doesn't connect as easily, and I just use the Bluetooth dongle. But that's... I just, like, add another USB-C port, man. Like, there's space in it. There's no reason not to. Um, in general, though, like I'm, I'm going to review this laptop next week. I'm mm -hmm. I'm pretty impressed with it. I, I kind of want one. The the power update is great. I think that it's finally, uh, in some ways, like the laptop for everyone again. Like it's powerful enough. I do wish. Let me just find the the exact names here. But what was it called? I, I believe it's the U series. 
processor? The U series is the more powerful one, and the Y series is the less powerful one. So, so they stuck with the Y series with again, the MacBook okay, Air, yeah. which is a little disappointing. Um, I wish that they would go with the U series, but the U, but the the new Y series does run at uh, a higher wattage. So it, it's it's that that like space in power. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I'm not a hardware guy, but from what I've read and to my understanding, is is isn't as big as what it once was okay cool how has battery life been that's always been a big one for me with macbook airs because i remember they had like a 12 inch battery life at one point or 12 hour battery life at one point. 12 inch battery life 12 inch battery life 12 hour battery life and i remember that being like huge that being like just awesome yeah i don't think it's any better than it was with the last MacBook Air, which is disappointing because this new processor is supposed to be more powerful and, and more power efficient. I did see a lot of chatter on Twitter over the past week that, like, I think it was uh, Walt Mossberg tweeting that if you're using Chrome with the MacBook Air and complaining about battery life, th- this is just paraphrasing what he said. Essentially, it's your own fault. Yeah. Like, Chrome is not optimized for Mac. Um, this is why so many reviewers are getting poor battery life results if you just use safari and you just used apple apps um like if i didn't use it like premiere photoshop lightroom and i used apple's alternatives of that uh that software i would have much better battery life and like i i get that argument but i also in a sense feel that it's ridiculous (laughs) because you should be able to use whatever app you want and not have to be that worried about battery life I know that that's not just Apple's fault, right? Like, Google should be optimizing Chrome for Mac. Adobe it's, should be optimizing these apps for, mm-hmm. for Mac. It's weird that Chrome is so bad because, like, do you think it's on purpose? I sometimes Cause, like, feel think about like this. it might be. The biggest, one of the big three selling features for Chromebooks, long battery life. What are Chromebooks run? literally exclusively google chrome and their battery life is always amazing sometimes i'll put them in drawers i'll put them up months later and they'll still be going and i'll be like what? oh yeah how and I'm sure if i took out my pixel book right now it's like sitting on the table across from me because i use it kind of as like my on-the-go laptop it yeah. would still turn on yeah um and so those are always fantastic and always blow my mind but they run google chrome but then you run google chrome on a windows or a mac machine and things are such a different story it's it's really crazy like that is it on purpose it has it doesn't have i don't know i don't want to be like super accusatory but like i mean i think in a sense it might be accidentally on purpose like it's the last priority on google's list you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. that makes more sense we're not gonna bother doing this because it's on a competing platform yeah we'll get there Um, someday but we've got other (laughs) updates because that's sort of the way that apple treated um itunes on windows right like i i owned an ipod as a teenager and i used an ipod all through university and i had a windows computer so I know how horrible that software was on Windows. It was like incredibly resource intensive, used up a ton of RAM. It would freeze so all the time. So much RAM. It was it was it was brutal. Like it sucked. It's still one of the like most resource intensive apps that I've ever ran on a Windows computer. Mm-hmm. I remember at one point iTunes updated, so whenever you clicked on the cover art, it would like expand down, and it would be yeah. the color of the cover art. I remember that. And I remember getting that update and being like, this looks awesome. And my computer just like, <laughs> just like imploding. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was crazy. 
It was an interesting time. But that makes a lot of sense, um, actually, for Chrome and for the theory of the battery. So I, I don't have a review on the site yet. I just have, like, an early impression story. I spent, I think, three days with it or something like that before I wrote it. I'm hoping to get my review up next week. I started it earlier this week. In general, I think that it's a great update, but the computer's still flawed in several ways. But it's definitely the Mac for the average person. Like if you if you want a MacBook and you um, are not interested in switching to Windows or getting a Chromebook, you live in a, an Apple world and you're you have like the the thought of using a Windows device makes you sad inside. You can confidently buy this new MacBook Air for a couple of reasons. Like it's more powerful. It features the new Magic Keyboard, which means that it's not going to suffer from the reliability issues that the previous MacBook did. Mm -hmm. I never encountered those problems with the previous MacBook Air. Um, I believe it has the third generation butterfly keyboard that has like these silicone caps under it. But I know there are reports out there that it was happening and obviously Apple changed the keyboard design. So it was a significant issue or at least significant enough of an issue for them to change that design. Um, Yeah, that's generally how I feel about it. Yeah, um, and yeah. when you say flaws, like definitely, it's not like before. Like before it was like, we didn't want to recommend this because we didn't necessarily trust the keyboard and we knew a refresh was coming. And now this refresh is coming and it's like, yeah, if you want a Mac, this is probably the one to get as long as you don't need to run heavy duty yeah. programs. Well, I mean, when when the first, when the 2018 Air came out, I did I did recommend it. I thought it was, it was great um, because I didn't know about the keyboard issues, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had like a whole section of like, we think the keyboard's fine, but only time's going to tell if that's truly accurate. And then Apple's lineup got into this weird position where like you literally couldn't recommend any laptop other than the super expensive 16-inch MacBook Pro. Um, yeah. And like now you could get that, sure, very expensive, specific audience for that device, mm-hmm. or you could get the Air. Um, where's the 13-inch MacBook Pro revamp? Like you know that's coming, yeah. but Apple hasn't said anything yet. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it in the next couple weeks or, or, or months. Um, I haven't seen concrete rumors, but we know it's, it's definitely coming. Like there's no way they're not going to not refresh it. Maybe it'll be the one to finally get the design refresh that I, uh, I'm so dreaming of. Uh, yeah. They're just going to refresh one laptop of the entire lineup. The MacBook Pro will look like one thick iPad <laughs> versus one iPad air kissing. And that will be. That that's, that's what you're saying. I know. When, when I I got you to read my review, because um, I know you sort of you were on the the side of like they need to do a full revamp of this MacBook line. Um, I think that's interesting. It would definitely create more unified design language across the MacBook lineup. Like, just think about what Apple could have done this year. This is like what I've been dreaming of, and then we can go on to the next topic. This will be the last like thing I'll drag you down with, but. So the iPad Pro came out with that square design. Everyone's like, this is where Apple's going. And I believe that. I think the next iPhone, well, the 5G iPhone or whatever, will feature that like square chiseled chamfer oh, design. It's, it's definitely going to feature that 100%. iPad Pro, you know, iPhone Pro. We've got them. MacBook Pro, maybe. Um, MacBook Air. Imagine everything sort of taking the design ethos of the iPad Pro and then just like slapping that into foam and, or phone and computer and iMac even maybe like you could really square out the iMac and that might be interesting that was, I'm with you until that that's what I was trying to say before I think I said uh, MacBook Air but like doing that iPad Pro design across the entire lineup would definitely give Apple like a more unified look to its products mm-hmm. but don't 
don't do it to the iMac, man. You think that the iMac be, is too classic? It would look, it would look ridiculous. Well, like, think just about it. how cool the iPad Pro looks in the new Magic Keyboard, that floating design. And just think of that sort of scaled up to giant iMac levels. I'm just picturing like a 50-inch iPad with a floating <laughs> keyboard and like a, a, a full-size floating keyboard attached to it. That's what I'm imagining in my head. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe that would look cool. But yeah, when I think about the squarish design of the Pixelbook, not the Pixelbook Go, but the one before that, I feel like it's very yeah, yeah, yeah. squarish. That's sort of where I want the MacBook Air to the, go. Yeah, that's the Pixel, the Pixelbook that I like, the one that I always the white one. talk about. Yeah, the white one that mm-hmm. does like the full 360 hinge. Yeah, but it's very thin. It's very square. It's very flat. I, it's, think, it, I think the iPad Air or iPad Pro, I keep saying Air, but the iPad Pro design can like combined with that to make just a beautiful ipad air or macbook air oh my god macbook i keep doing the same thing yeah it's because i haven't spoken to a human being other than my partner in uh i have been in lockdown for how how many weeks four four weeks i know i worked at home the friday before we all went on lockdown which i regret (laughs) immensely i I did that the week before yeah so i'm i'm like a week and a bit ahead of a lot of people like two weeks ahead of some people before it was like Mm-hmm. no longer a recommendation so uh the, the only socialization i get is telling people about my fruit and animal crossing <laughs> yeah pretty much which might be is that our segue in should we just hop oh, yeah. into it let's 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 hit the game section wow i'm ready this is what i've been waiting for all week Um, All right, so I'll I'll let you... I've done a lot of talking since these were two devices I reviewed. I'll let you explain what Animal Crossing is, and I'll just, every once in a while, throw my my two cents in there regarding what my experience with the game has been. Yeah, I'll just keep it simple. I mean, like, Animal Crossing on the base level, um, on, like, a franchise level, is just, like, a simple game where you're, like, a little character, and you move into a town with all these other sort of cartoon characters, and they're all animals that are in humanoid form. Um, but they're really cute, and they tell you things like, hey, like, uh, you know, I miss you when you're not around. Uh, could you catch me a fish? Uh, I'm really hungry. Uh, we can bring, bring me some fruit, or I don't like this tank top anymore. Do you want it? Like, they just, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to explain because it sounds so weird, but when you play it, it's a really relaxing experience, and it's actually... It's like, like a life simulation. Yeah, but, like, it's, you know, no one's life is actually like this. It's like the most idealistic life simulation possible Mm -hmm. where you just live to catch bugs and fish and chill out with your animal homies yeah like you're just doing really relaxing chores well like really relaxing music plays in this like very well lit sort of idealistic setting there's like bugs and birds and fish and yeah it's a it's a crazy game it's been around since 2001 the newest one just dropped in probably what was the best timing for a single video game to drop ever do you think it's gonna be it's gonna be one of the best selling games of the year like apparently it's one of the best selling switch games ever in japan already yeah it's two two million something i'm I'm gonna well you keep talking i'm gonna find the actual number but i know it's over two million um but yeah it dropped basically it's a game that dropped that allowed people to play outside well, in real life, people were not allowed to play outside. And it has become like an internet phenomenon. Um, you know, people are buying it all over the place. Right before we filmed this podcast, my sister called me trying to figure out how to play multiplayer with my mom. So like, That's awesome. 
everyone is in into it um and yeah it's like super fun like even uh my girlfriend alex like doesn't really game she's playing and like her friends that she knows are also playing so like i'll just like come into the living room and she'll be like online with people and this has never happened before it's it's a game that's it's weird because it's designed to like bring people together and also be like very calming and fulfilling these like societal Maslow hierarchy of needs type things that we need. Um, and it's just like so perfect that it came out well. Everybody like legitimately needs those things because they're in quarantine. So it sold 188 million physical copies um, in three days in Japan. Whoa. Physical so, copies only? Yeah. So this, this uh, it's a Verge story. Um, Best selling video games of all time in Japan. Um, managed to sell 1.88 million physical copies in its opening three days in Nintendo's home market. So I imagine pretty soon we're going to see some sort of press release from Nintendo boasting about the sales. Yeah. I imagine Nintendo Canada is going to say something like Animal Crossing New Horizons is the best selling Fastest Switch game selling. In, in history in Canada, but they won't give you an actual number because yeah. that's what they always do. Um, and then I'll email them and be like, hey, do you have an actual number? And they'll be like, haha, we're not going to give you that because um, that's how it works sometimes. But the game has evolved into a cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. There's people on that I follow that are like serious journalists that cover not tech. They cover like important issues. Um, they've switched to be COVID-19 reporters for their publications right now. And mm-hmm. they're buying switches in Animal Crossing as sort of like relief from um i guess the horrible state of the world and everything that's going on right now the switch is like sold out everywhere and i yeah i imagine that's because of animal crossing i mean hundred it has to be yeah like um it's crazy i i'm surprised at how much fun i've had with the game because like i've played animal crossing before i actually dug up my gamecube copy of the game i was cleaning my garage recently because i have nothing to do and I was organizing my games in different um, boxes, and I just happened to come across Animal Crossing. So, I mean, I've I've played. <laughs> Brad's holding up his copies right now. He's got the GameCube one. This um, is my original with town little, with the little tiny disc. He even still has the memory card. Wow, that's my town. This is mine. My mom took the the Animal Crossing one that came with the game, and I had to get my own little black one that had to mark with duct tape. You should join, um, go back to your town and see how all of your friends are doing. I should actually, oh, I don't have a GameCube anymore. If I could get Dean to lend me his GameCube controller, maybe I could hook it up to my Wii. But it would be interesting to go back and see who my villagers were. Yeah, that's true. I've So what I was saying is I've played Animal Crossing games before and they've never resonated with me. Because mm-hmm. I grew up playing Harvest Moon and Harvest Moon 64. And I always felt like there was more to do in those games. And you were given specific goals and things to work towards. And even leading up to this, I talked to you a lot about this, Brad. I Mm -hmm. assumed that Animal Crossing would feel like a baby version of Stardew Valley. And for those who don't know, Stardew Valley is like a spiritual successor in a way to the Harvest Moon series. Even though Harvest Moon still exists, it's just not very good anymore. Um, It builds on everything that that game established so like it's it's a farming simulation you can get married you can make friends um there's a crazy customization mode we both have played stardew valley quite a yeah. bit oh yeah um but, there's like like a adventure sort of angle yeah. to it like relationships yeah but animal crossing 
is like a different beast altogether in some ways i'm right like it is kind of like a quote-unquote baby version of stardew valley Mm -hmm. but that's also what makes it so good like there's a simplicity in its elegance it doesn't have this overly complicated uh crafting system it's easy Um, to pick up it makes sense it's easy to pick up it's straightforward it makes sense like streamlined my niece plays Animal Crossing. I spent like a couple hours with her last weekend just mm. running around catching bugs. Like that's not something that you can really do in, in other games. And I think that that's special and that's unique. Um, and I feel like this game, I'm actually writing a column about it uh, that should go up on Friday, is going to become like a cultural touchstone and in some ways uh, be very nostalgic for people. Um, moving forward because it is linked to this crazy time that we currently live in and maybe not nostalgic in a good way but this this time that we're living in right now um, with social distancing and quarantine and everything is going to be like intrinsically attached to Animal Crossing New Horizons. For sure I think if people ever get sort of self-isolating or quarantined again it's like everyone's just pulling out the Animal Crossing being like oh I know what to do. It's going to be a thing. But yeah, what you were saying about the Animal Crossing versus Stardew Valley comparison, it's crazy because each one, you know, you're like building these things up and you're doing these sort of tiny tasks. They're not really like furthering a story, but are just getting you new things, you know, like in both games, you just want to like upgrade your house. You have another room to decorate and you want to get little furniture pieces to put in it and decorate your room. And um, one maybe like Animal Crossing might be easier than Stardew Valley and whatever, but it still leaves you with that same feeling like inside where you just like feel like accomplished and like I want to show off what I made and they're like it it leaves you with this feeling of like I made this you know and that feels really good um and even so though so even though it's simpler it still makes you feel the same way or at least it still makes me feel the same way which I think is like a very important sort of gameplay tool you know it's almost like writing it's almost like writing it's a lot of the time you want to say something in the simplest way you can as long as it gets that perfect point across. And I think that Animal Crossing is almost like the edit of a modern simulation life game with the classic Animal Crossing and it's sort of been combined and edited down into like that perfect sort of rewarding slash relaxing experience. That that is, And maybe even social too, like I don't know. No, I agree. That's exactly how I feel about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up unless you have more deep Animal Crossing thoughts. Um, the only other thing I want to say is, you know, people like get out there and start breeding flowers, which may sound crazy, but it's something I've started to do. Very rewarding. You put two do you, flowers. Do you want to explain yeah. how you do that? Yes. Yeah, so, so you have to look it up online for guides. I can't tell you all the color guides. You can only buy specific colors of flowers in Animal Crossing. Um, but if you put like one flower here and then an empty space and then another flower of the same type, but a different color beside it. And just keep watering them. After a few days, a a flower will show up in that empty space that's like a hybrid of those two colors. So like yellow and red will make like a a pale orange flower or something. And so you can get like... Pardon? I've been doing this since I can't play in my my real world garden behind my house. Yeah. Uh, Every time I like walk around my garden, like I'm always watering my flowers. I'm trying to like make sure that I'm planting different colors with each other so that I can... And every time you like walk around, you just like come around a corner like, oh, orange flower. You're like, yes, I finally got one. It's just like so... That's awesome. So awesome, yeah. It's it, it's so crazy to be like talking about this because I can hear myself and I know that it doesn't sound awesome at all, but I absolutely love it and I can't explain it. No, there's like things in that game where 
I just got a house expansion, right? I got an yeah. extra room. Um, I got it yesterday and I don't even know what I'm going to put in that room. I ended up putting a retro TV tray and I, I posted this on Twitter actually. <laughs> TV tray. I put a retro TV tray and like, I don't know what they're called, but you know, those static, those balls that have like electricity shooting out of them. Oh, and you like touch them and yeah. And you touch them. I yeah, can't remember yeah, yeah. what they're called, yeah. but I just put that in the center of a room. And I timed it so that my character's eyes were half closed. So he just looks <laughs> like he's super high. And yeah, like that was what I did for 20 minutes was that. And that was surprisingly satisfying and fun. Yeah. Um, so I think I think we live in a weird time. Uh, this is definitely a weird era in history, not just in Canada, but around the world. And this game offers escape from everything that's happening right now in the real world. Um, and I think we're all going to fondly remember Animal Crossing because of that. Yeah. Um, I guess the last thing I want to say, just because I forgot, was my mom, when she bought her Switch, she bought one of the refurbished ones from Nintendo Canada. And it was fine, and it wasn't sold out. So, you know, if anyone's looking to buy one, it's an option. Nice. That's a good, that's a good suggestion. So I think that's a good time to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to the Syrupcast. I hope that you enjoyed our discussion. I hope it was a distraction from everything that's going on right now. We're going to try to keep this a little more consistent, maybe even weekly if there's enough things to talk about, mm -hmm. just because it's far more easy for Brad and I to jump to jump on a call and, and record our conversation rather than setting up all the equipment at the mobile Syrup office. So yeah, you might be hearing a lot more from us than usual. So be sure to drop us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us with the ranking of the show. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore Rourke, where all I do is tweet about Animal Crossing just all day. Different different photos, different screenshots of my, my sick crib and stuff like that. And then you can also find my writing on mobilesurf.com. Brad, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, pretty much everywhere at the Brad Fad. And yeah, like Patrick said, you know, keep around keep around our Twitter. Um, you know, you might get some good turn up prices for Animal Crossing coming through if you're lucky. Who knows, you know? You're writing a how-to as well. At some yeah, point. I haven't decided Another what I'm going to be doing. It's either, I, I, because of the phone call with my mom, it might either be multiplayer-focused or maybe be uh, turn-up-focused. So we'll see. We'll do one of those. Nice. And as always, you can find all of our content at mobilesyrup.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at mobilesyrup. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.